Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Well, it's a rare privilege for someone who's been now ministering for over 50 years to come back into an environment where I don't think I'd be exaggerating to say that I almost wish there was a lake in front of me because I feel like, like a, I could walk on water. Yeah. Uh, the worship and the... I leaned over to Pastor Jonathan and I just said, it's incredible. I, I, I hope, hope you understand just how incredible. Um, the tangible presence of the Lord that turned up in this place when you started to sing what was quite remarkable. So I just want to say hi to all the other campuses. I won't try to impress you by remembering how many campuses, but everyone that he said, I amen, all right? Uh, and especially the one in Burwood, because I live in Melbourne. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm raring to get into what I have here, but um, being um, prophetically inclined and me and father chatting all the time and I can't switch it off. So whether I'm in a car park or what I'm doing. So uh, there's a young man that actually met me in the car park with a white t-shirt on down there. Now, um, this year for you is really going to be um, discovering, it's, it's like God is going to take the broadsword out of your hand and put a scalpel in it. It's, it's like it's going to be all the power and passion for God is going to be zeroed in like a focus and a laser. This year is going to actually, uh, you're going to discover what the next 20 years is really all about. And what I would say to you is don't be surprised that Father uh, puts the reins of your life very strongly and securely in the hands of another because uh, that will help the guiding process and the discovery process. Okay? So, uh, but it's, it's really good. Okay. Uh, uh, um, and um, this man here with a run to red T-shirt. Yeah. I, I looked across in the worship time and I saw you going up to somebody and they had bandages on. And you were taking the bandages off, and you're kind of obviously disapproved. And you said, it "Doesn't need a bandage; that needs to be taken out." Um, and I, but I, and I saw that it was going to be a painful process. But you actually put your hands in this big jar of oil, and your hands came out dripping with oil. And then you did the surgery, um, and it was like almost painless because. You were dripping oil all the time. And I felt the Lord's going to give you a, a, a grace to be able to extract painful situations out of the lives of people, but without them feeling bruised and damaged in the process. Praise the Lord. Yeah. A young lady that was right here uh, uh, playing this. Ah, okay. Um, I, I, the picture I saw of you was... Um, Playing a trumpet. No, you're not playing a trumpet. You're playing that. But it's symbolic. Uh, you're playing a trumpet, and the Lord took it out of your hands and put a cornet in it. And I said, "What's that?" He says, "There's a there's a slight change coming up for you, uh, and it's not like you're going to go from a trumpet player to 
a drum player. It's not dramatic, it's fine-tuning, but there is a different sound that's going to come out. And, and it's, the beauty of it was that I saw that the sound was going to, and it sounds a crazy thing to say, but it could actually pierce walls. There was something about the sound that's going to come out of you over the next 12 months, 24 months, this, tra- this change, this tweaking, uh, that's actually going to penetrate uh, situations that seem to be in, impervious to prayer impervious to, uh, to the God's people breaking through, but a sound will come out of you that will just break it open. It's like parting the veil. Okay. Um, the, I, I, I want to show into the DNA of the house, but a house, of course, I'm referring to edge everywhere. All of the campers, edge as a whole family, because I see you as just one church in different places. But, and so... I want to show into what I, the DNA of the house because of what Father has said is going to come up over the next couple of years or so. It's going to be a time of uh, tremendous conquest. Uh, I don't think there'll ever be a time in your future when you are not taking new territory. It's just, it's just in the house. It's, it's part, you, you, you don't have to tell a horse to eat grass, it does, you know. Uh, um, you, you don't have to ca- tell a kangaroo to hop, it just does. And you'll never, ever, ever have to be urged to take new territory. It's who you are, it's who you are. Um, but so that's very important. But um, I want to show into that process, particularly over the next couple of years or so. But before I get into that, um, I, I was just out walking. I walk with the kangaroos and, and my father, and we seem to get along really good together. You know, it's a good mix. And, and I was out there talking with him. That's my garden time. And he just shared five points with me, which he said, read these out before you start to preach what I've given you to say. So I'm going to just read them out. Is that okay? Okay. Number one, and I have no idea what any of them mean. Okay. It's not for me to know. It's for him to know. All right. Um, Number one, awaken the south side, reawaken dreams once planted in a time of great expectation. So that was uh, the first one. The second one, the desert to the north shall be visited and rain shall cause it to blossom in the place of dryness. See it not for what it presently is, but for that which a visitation of the Holy Spirit can make it to be. So number one was awaken the south side. I don't know what that means. Number two is the desert to the north shall be visited. And the interesting thing to me was when the Lord gave me these words, I was obviously thinking, oh, I wonder what part of Adelaide or or South Australia they apply to. But now realizing I'm speaking to a global congregation These could apply anywhere. Um, Number three, this house, of course, collective, this house shall be a declaration of what selfless unity of heart can achieve. It will not be known for obedience to the vision. It will be known for passion for the vision. Not obedience to the vision, but passion for the vision. Uh, There will be one heart, one mind in one place that shall generate a corporate spiritual authority 
which will result in greater extension of kingdom purpose. Let me say this, people. There's something that Satan fears far more than your individual commitment to Jesus. And he does fear that. But there's something that he fears even more. And that's your corporate commitment. Because, you see, he's read the Bible where two or three can agree. Uh, um, We'll get into that in a moment. Number four, strange one. In the number four, in the grace of Elisha, sons and grandsons will arise as one to pull together in the same harness. Commission and responsibility will not be determined by generation, but by the degree of one, the call, and two, purity of heart and motivation. So that's number four. Number five, the season now lying before you is to be one of strategy, conquest, and a prevailing spirit. A prevailing spirit. And it was when the Lord gave me that one, it's like the Holy Spirit just like you ever played a record and it gets stuck and it just it repeats itself. It was like that for a few minutes. A prevailing spirit. A prevailing spirit. And it just kept going. I said, I got, I got it. You really want me to focus on this? And he says, yeah, I do. I really do. Because the DNA of the house moving forward is the releasing of the supernatural. But it's going to be a releasing of the supernatural by a prevailing spirit, a prevailing attitude, an attitude that says, I will not take no for an answer when I know my Father has spoken to me. If I know I've received a creative word from God, then I will prevail. It's that attitude. And I want to lean even more into that in the three o'clock service. I was going to preach the same thing all the services, but I got too much to say. So, so, um, so I, I will be the, this service and the next one somewhere else uh, um, will be the same, but then the three o'clock will be an extension of this and particularly emphasizing um, the incredible supernatural provisions of God's grace, and I pray there'll be a hunger in you for the supernatural if you come out this afternoon particularly. Okay, now when I was leaning into this, and I read three little words, one of them surprised, persevere, prevail, push through. And I want to go now to Joshua chapter 6, and we're going to pick up a story, well-known story about the walls of Jericho, but I, I want you to listen with two sets of ears. I do pray the preaching of the Word will, will encourage you and bless you, of course, but I want you listening inside of here. What, what is God actually trying to say to you? Uh, and Because, you see, when I say I've got a word for the house, which, the edge, which I do, uh, but who is that? Really, who's that? I mean, Pastor Jonathan's a leader in Edge, but, 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 but who, who's Edge? It's you. It's all of you. It's all of you. And, uh, oh, that's a cool little story, which I've got to be careful of my time. I get sidetracked all the time. It's, uh, it's the Irish. Just put it down to the Irish. I'm a 70-year-old Irishman, for goodness sakes. Give me some liberty. Good. Um, I, I was flying down Virgin, and... Um, I, I got talking to the, uh, as I always do, to the guy bringing me the food and stuff, and uh, and uh, so he's, so and I made sure I walked past him, 
apparently to go to the bathroom, but really my objective was to talk to him. And, and so, and he said, well, what are you coming down? I told him, I said, I'm, I'm coming to preach. And he looked up at me, big strapping guy. And he said, I said, he said, where? And I said, edge. Ah, edge, edge. And it obviously hit a thing. And so afterwards I said, now you do know that you're welcome to pop in on Sunday to Edge. He said, uh, how are you like coming back to? Um, and that was, I had to leave the air car. But obviously he's been part of Edge. And of all the people in the world that happened to be in that plane, you're not an accident. People, listen, settler, you're not an accident going somewhere to happen. You're a person under divine command. There's no such thing as accidents to us. And I had better get to the preaching of the word. Okay, J- Joshua chapter 6, verse 16. Shout, for the Lord has, has given you the city. Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. There it is. Okay, now what I want to say to you is this. The word H-A-S, has, means he's already done it. He's already done it. So, so this is something that he's already declared, he's already decreed, and in the world of his reality, which is the world of the spirit, people talk about heaven out there somewhere. I can assure you of something. If you get in a rocket and fly to Pluto and go four moons that way and ten suns that way, you're still not going to find it. Heaven's not out there. Heaven coexists. It's a parallel world to our own. It's called the spirit world where Father dwells. And if I had another five days, I'd talk to you about my recent journey uh, because the Lord's been talking to me about living beyond the veil. And it's really cool. There is nothing that separates my world from his now. And so um, he said here, in the realm of his reality, the king has made a decree. It's done. The city is yours. He made a decree. Now go to verse 20. So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets, and it happened when, when. It didn't just happen. Didn't just happen. Oh, God, I wish you'd do something. Ha <laughs> ha. And you know what he's saying back? No, 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 no. I wish you'd do something. Because you see, he's always responding. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted with a great shout and the wall fell down flat. Then, then and only then, the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. I want you to notice that the shout was still required. The proclamation of God was done. The the, the sign sealed and delivered in the realm of the Spirit. The city is yours. But you're still going to have to shout for it. And so what, what I want to show to you is that that shout of faith, that shout of obedience, that shout of praise was vital in order to bring the divine intervention. Why? There was something about that shout, listen to me, that actually separated, parted the veil between the world of his reality and the world of ours. Somehow it opened a portal so that which he had already done in the world of the spirit could penetrate Joshua's world 
of the tangible and the real. And that shout was so powerful and so significant that the creation of the miracle which God had already achieved was able to come into the world of his reality because of that shout. And I said, Father, what was so incredible about that shout? I'll tell you what's so incredible about it. There were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of troops from different tribes and dispositions, and yet they were able to make one sound. Just one sound, one sharp, clear sound. It was the sound of unity. Diversity, unbelievable diversity, but one sound. And it reminded me immediately of the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Why do you think God had to rock them in the room for days? Why didn't he just turn up on the first morning? Because it took that long to get them, the Bible says, to a place where at a given moment of time, they suddenly became one mind, one accord in one place, and suddenly a sound. Uh, one mind, one accord in one place, and that sound parted the veil, and the world of God's reality invaded their world, and, and the visitation of the Holy Ghost changed the planet because there's a sound. Your unity is so powerful. Well, this is an awesome miracle, what happened this day for Israel. The walls of Jericho, we know the story well. But friends, what I really came here to tell you is that the story didn't actually start there. The story started in verse 1. And so we're going to take a look at verse 1 now of Joshua 6. Alive and well? Wow. You know what? I'm not allowed to. I got to keep... Be careful, I gotta keep going. You know, I just like to sit here on a seat for about twenty minutes and drink you lot in. <laughs> this honestly I wish I could put you in a bottle. I mean it, it, it you probably have no idea how good it is. Okay. Now the gates of Jericho, listen to it, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Now you say, oh, yeah, big deal. Well, you've got to understand the context. The gates of Jericho were securely barred. Now the New King James and the older versions of the NIV all say that they were securely shut up. Same thing. The gates were securely shut and barred. Now what you've got to understand is that historians tell us that Jericho was one of the oldest cities in existence in the known world in its day, And they also recorded that it was considered utterly invincible, impregnable. In the hundreds of years that it had lived there and been there uh, up until the time Joshua got there, it had never been taken in battle once. Not once. Not once. And the reason for that was that the city was actually built on a hill. And they had this massive wall around the city. And then a few meters down the hill, they had a secondary wall. And so people coming over the secondary wall would just get picked off by the arches on the top of the main wall. And it was completely impregnable. So every, from generation to generation, every army knew one thing. There was only one way into the city of Jericho. If you're a conquest. And that was through the gates. You couldn't get over the walls. 
That was impossible. It was suicide. So you had to go through the gates. But there's only one problem with that. Those gates had been designed and redesigned and redesigned and redesigned, the historian tells us, so that, that they were so impregnable that if they managed to shut these massive gates before the army got to them, that was it. They were absolutely impregnable. When those gates were shut and barred, it was final. That's it. Move on to the next project. Move on to the next city. Look, face facts and face reality. You had to go. Great. Wonderful. But, but final is final. You need to accept the logics of the situation. When those gates are shut and barred, it is final. There's no way in. So you may as well forget that project and go on to the next one. And I felt Father say, I'll give you two phrases to bring to edge for the next two or three years. And so I want to give them to you. Number one, when the gates are shut and barred, it is not final. It is not final, people. All it means is that every human endeavor would be futile. But it also means without any human possibility left, there comes the opportunity for a divine, supernatural, miraculous intervention. And something about us as human beings, that if there's another way to take it, we'll take it. But, but sometimes it's got to be final before we turn and expect the miraculous. Number two, when the gates are shut and barred, Father brings down the walls. I love this. Uh, friends, the archaeologists and the historians have now confirmed the Bible. But, you know, they're doing all that all the time, reluctantly, but they do it. And they tell us that all the cities that they have discovered and excavated throughout all that area and region of the world, there is a phenomena that they couldn't explain. Because every single city that they excavated, the walls of the city had collapsed inward. The, the, the reason was obvious because continual bombardment from armies was always from out to in, so always the walls eventually collapsed inwards. There was only one city that they've ever excavated where the walls fell outwards, and, and that was Jericho. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit just speak to me so wonderfully, and I got this vivid picture. I don't have time to show it to you this morning, but, but I got this vivid picture, and I realized, and, and as that massive wall collapsed outwards, outwards, it fell down the hill, hit the secondary wall, which collapsed under the pressure and fell outwards, listen to me, and suddenly the rubble from those two walls is forming a perfect ramp up into the city. And so the very thing that had been created to be the greatest opposition against that taking that city became the very vehicle through which they are able to take the city. And friends, I want to say to you right now, oh, I pray you get this deep down inside. The very thing that Satan 
has as his greatest opposition against what God has told you to do will actually end up becoming the instrument of your future triumph. Everything the enemy has sent against my own life personally to take me out of the race, and I haven't got hours to tell you about them all, but on three different occasions for three different reasons, I have been figured I'm out of the race, you know, heading for a pine box. But every single time it bursts a message inside of me that, that has become a cutting edge for the next decade of ministry. I tell you, Satan is always shooting himself in his foot. You, you have to understand, friends, when, you face a clear, when you've had a clear word from God and then you suddenly you're facing an opposition where, where the sh- gates are shut and barred and there's no possibility left, friends, at that moment, at that moment your attitude, not, attitude should not be one of discouragement. It should be one of vigilance. You, you should suddenly come alive and awake and say, oh, I recognize this. Um, a miracle is on its way. Something supernatural is about to happen. There should come a rising expectation. And I want to really lean into that on the three o'clock service because I believe just telling a few of my own stories will build your faith because God wants you to live in anticipation of the miraculous. And Father is always so much further ahead than we are. Can you say amen to that? Sorry about you. You'll have to wait for yours, all right? (laughs) But you know what? My father, he lives in eternity. Nothing ever takes him by surprise. I love it. And do you realize something? Oh, I believe this is really speaking into something coming up. Think it through. If they had got to that city on time and the gates hadn't, somehow they hadn't been able to close those gates, there would have been no need to pray, no need to get a strategy from God, no need for a miracle because they got there on time. So the, the, the gates were still open. So it's automatic that I'll just surge through the gates. Uh, and that's what every ounce of human logic and intelligence and military strategy would have automatically kicked in. Hey, we got there on time. The gates are still open. Let's go through. But what would have happened if they had? You see, friends, listen to me. It doesn't matter how big your army is. If you can only get 20 or 30 men through the gate at one time, they would just be like a clay pigeon shoot. The archers would have just been lined up inside the gates, just picking them off wave after wave after wave because 5,000 troops can't get through a gate. And so what I want you to see is this, and it's so empowering for the future, and that is that, that, that those gates, those gates proved to be a critical factor in the miracle that followed. They had to be shut. They, they were a critical factor in the degree of victory achieved and the minimal cost of life to the Israelites. You see, if they'd been able to go through the gates, they may have ended up taking the city, but at great cost. 
But because God closed off every human possibility and suddenly there's no way through but for a miracle, they not only got their miracle, but they never lost a man. So here's my point. The shutting of those gates, which seemed to be a total denial of access. I'm choosing my words carefully. So just register, Pastor John. I'm not trying to be spooky, but that phrase, it seemed to be a total denial of access. A total contradiction turned out to be part of Father's strategy. He actually wanted the gates shut. He always knows what he's doing. And the truth of the matter is today, friends, that we, uh, and every single one of you up there personally, listen to me, we have so many alternatives. We've got doctors, we've got lawyers, we've got banks, we've got financiers, we've got skillful people in every area of life. But I'm telling you now, and none of whom are bad people, by the way, they are great as servants to the kingdom of God. But our dependence must never lie upon them. What, 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 what if God just wants to do it his way? What if he just wants to do it some miraculous, supernatural way that gives him all the glory and forges a testimony for the next generation? I'll tell you more about that this afternoon. I have found my life, uh, occasionally I've, I conduct pastors' gatherings and things and mentoring, and sometimes they say, um, what do you, and I string off a few of the miracles that have happened in my life, and they say, well, what do you put it down to? Like your faith, like you're really believing? And I say, well, not really. Most of mine is because of a no alternative strategy. <laughs> Father just, I'm Irish, I don't learn quick. He just leaves me with no alternative. When the doctors told me that all my major arteries and most of my subsidiary arteries were multiply blocked and they couldn't do surgery, they couldn't do a bypass on me, take what's left of your miserably short little life and sit in a corner over 20 years ago, I didn't have any options. But my father had heaps. Do I look dead to you? You see, but, but trust him, trust him, trust him. The, the testimony comes out of the impossibility. It's never, you know, it's never final. So you're getting it in your brain now when the sh- gates are shut and barred in Bristol, in New York, Singapore, when the gates are shut and barred, it's not final. You see, it's never been Final. All he needs is a man or a woman who will hear his voice clearly and execute his word boldly, and there's a miracle on the way. You see, when that Red Sea said, it's fine all to to the Israelites, Moses just raised his rod, parted the sea. It was not final. When fading daylight told Joshua he could no longer finish the battle that God had given him, that fading daylight said, it's final. You see, he just pointed at the sun, froze the sun in the sky, extended daylight. You see, it was not final. 
when hundreds of thousands of troops arrayed themselves against Gideon and 300 men, the sheer numbers said it was final. But he just, he just raises his voice and says, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. And hundreds of thousands fled before 300. You see, it's never final. When, when thousands upon thousands of people, 5,000 men plus women and children, had been listening to Jesus all day, and the hunger had been growing and growing and growing and growing and growing within them, Finally, that hunger screamed out, it's final, it's finished, we're out of here. We have got to get some food. The party was over, the conference was finished, we're out of here. Jesus just turned around and and spoke to a little boy's lunch and started a supermarket. I mean, it was not final. You getting a hold of this? When Lazarus was dead in the tomb for four days. Man, the Bible says, I'm not being gross, the Bible says he had started to really smell. Death screamed out, well, now it's final. Jesus just spoke a word. <laughs> Lazarus leaps up, rejoins the party. So you may well ask, when is final? Finally, finally, finally final. When, when does that happen? Not until my father says so. It's not final till he says so. Do you get a hold of this? All he needs is one man, one woman. But when if he has a team like this with one heart, one accord, he can do anything. He can do anything. He changed the world with a handful in an upper room in Jerusalem. When the gates are shut and barred, it is not final. But friends, you have to push through. Can you imagine the heart of Joshua and the Israelites knowing the history of Jericho? And they they make all haste to get to those gates before they can possibly shut them. And they're shut and barred. Just imagine that they knew the history. No one had ever taken that city. Now the only possible way to take it was, was finished. Friends, you've got to push through. You've got to push through the barrier of intimidation. You have to push through the barrier of past disappointment. You have to push through the barrier of conservative, restrictive thinking. You have to, above all, push through the barrier of logic and reason. You have to push through all of that. You have to say, my father spoke a word. And this afternoon, I'm going to be speaking about a creative word. I tell you what, I live by that. And I'm not trying to be super dramatic, but the doctors will back me up. I have to live by a creative word from God. And I'm telling you now, I'm on the safest place on the planet. I ain't going to be so old. Not only will the queen send me a telegram, uh, her son will have to get around to it. I tell you, I'm going to outlive them all because I'm not going any place until my father says so. You see, it's not in my hands. It's in his. This is not part of the notes or anything, but listen to me. The centurion principle tells me very clearly in the Bible, 
that the authority you're under determines the authority you carry. And I am under the dominion of Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. And I am utterly unashamed to admit I carry his authority. So do you. So do you. So do you. I've got to work towards the eventual possibility of a probable close. I hope you got the accuracy of that statement. But I am so excited about the future of this incredible church. Why? Because I want to butter up the, butter up the senior. No, 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 no. I'm because I know when I walked in here this morning, I felt exactly what I felt when I walked into wherever it was that they parachuted me into. Um, where was it? Yeah. Yeah, you tried to tell me. Jonathan, that I'd been here before too. It's, it's really, it's, it's, it's really embarrassing. It's, it's embarrassing, you see, because what uh, John meets me for the plane and he's all smiling, and I, I, I look. You see, I'd been studying my notes before I got down the tarmac, and it said a, a John Borelli will meet you at the airport. So I walk up the land. I said, hi, John, great to see you. Now, he was blessed out of his socks because he thought I remembered him. <laughs> but, but, I, but, I, but I didn't. You see, the truth of the matter is, and it's going to release some of you. Look, it'll release some of you who have been taking it personal. <laughs> um, you see, I, I never forget a face, but I never remember a single thing to go with it. I am, uh, they may as well be from Pluto, okay? And, and, so he, and, and so he said, actually, I drove you last time. And I said, oh. And he said it was the South Shore. I said, was it? And, and he said, at the leadership thing. I said, oh, yeah, I remember, the leadership thing. You know, but really, what is a curse relationally is a blessing prophetically. Because I can just start again every time. I just start from scratch again. Okay. I don't know where that got to anyhow. But I do know this. I do know this, that what I felt when I went into that place, because it all came back to me then, and what I came home and I shared with Margaret and I raved for days, I said, there's, there's, the place is impregnated. I was trying to put a word on it, and words like authenticity, uh, sincerity. Uh, uh, um, there's something. Uh, this place is is pregnant with the potential of the supernatural. Um, but there are going to be times when you've had your clear word from God. You know that you've got to take that city and that region and that city and that region. And and, and suddenly you know God's spoken. And some of you out here as business people, you know God spoke to you. You know God said, I want you to take that business or I want you to take it to the next level. And you commit yourself in obedience to doing it. And, then, and some of you in your marriage. You say, we, we committed to do exactly what God has said. And the moment you do, it's like there's this barrier there. Hey, hey don't be surprised by that. that. That doesn't mean you've missed it. It simply confirms you're on the right track. Satan only opposes what he fears the most. But a creative word from God 
Wow. That can demolish every barrier. And so I, I just want to leave it there. But I want to say for your own personal, individual lives right now, and for your marriage, because you're only as strong. If you're a married person, you're only as strong as your marriage. For your marriage, your family, your finances, your business, your ministry, let me say this to you. It's time to renew your resolve. It's time to re-embrace the promise. It's time to say, my God, I will take it on again. I am not going to stop until that which you told me was on your heart, Father. I don't care if the gates are shut and barred. I'm looking for you to bring down the walls. Nothing is impossible to him, friends. And I really want to lean into that further. I'll see you at 3 o'clock. Just before I go, Bulletproof Your Marriage is my wife's book on marriage. It's very gutsy and down to earth, and it's somewhat embarrassing, but it is actually... It, it, it actually has outsold anything I've ever written. Uh, um, it's, it's very humbling, actually. Uh, um, but it's a powerful, powerful book for marriage. And uh, Incorruptible Heart. I don't know what's happening with this. This thing's been around for about 20 years. Some of you have probably read it. But I'll tell you something. And the, This is a, uh, updated slightly. And for some reason, God's put his hand on it. We've got churches all over the globe now. Some of them are buying 200 and 250 copies at a time simply because they don't want anybody coming into leadership that hasn't done it. Um, Why? Because prevention is better than cure. And friends, if God's got your heart, he's got all of you. He's got all of you. And uh, just quickly now, some of you may be interested in the prophetic. We did a seminar in Melbourne three or four years ago. Uh, and uh, it was amazing. We had 350 pastors and leaders and whatnot turn up at that, and it was all on the prophetic life, the prophetic gift, the prophetic office, the interaction between that and local church leadership. All of that was covered, but most importantly, how do we live a prophetic life? And so 13 sessions on that little USB on the prophetic. This one here called the classics is actually, well, it's like a, it's like a library. Um, there's 36 videos alone, e-books, manuals, all sorts of stuff. All, all the Leaders of Destiny series is on there. Uh, Overcomers Born to Rule, Battlefield of the Mind, The Marriage Journey. All, 36 videos, books, e-books, etc. for you on that one. But above all, I want you to go out of here this morning knowing that your Father always has a way. Now, I don't know your personal situation, but I do know this. My Father has a way. If you take it from out of your hands of limitation and you place it into His hands, which has no limitation, a miracle is on its way. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.